Yes, guys, it's time. Welcome back for another episode of the Everyday MMA Podcast. I am Lucas, and yet again, I'm joined by Elliot Nash. And my word, we were treated to absolute barnstormers of fights on the weekend. We had Conor McGregor, Dustin Poirier, and of course, uh, Michael Chandler and Dan Hooker. Elliot, where do we even start, mate? I mean, Conor McGregor returning, I guess, is a good start. How excited were you to see him back in the octagon on Saturday night? everybody is watching like people like to say they hate him but they're gonna watch his fights and this was a confusing one from the start i think we spoke about it before didn't we about the the choice in the opponent was a bit off should we say it's like throwing him in the, in the deep end a little bit mm, yeah it was a tough ask for connor but as you all know by now connor did get the knockout loss from dustin poirier poirier hitting with calf kick after calf kick i mean even after the first one, I mean, I my leg was starting to twitch, mate. They looked painful. And, I mean, Dustin put on an absolute show. He got takedowns, he was punching Connor up, and he eventually got the knockout victory. And I think every British MMA fan, and even any Connor fan, really, was borderline speechless seeing Connor get knocked out. I didn't know. What, like, we were texting during the fight, weren't we, Elliot? And I literally didn't know what to say to you, like, for a good 10 minutes after that fight ended. A lot of my friends were the same. Uh, what do you? Where do we even start with the fight? I mean, like we said, it was going to be a tough, tough fight for Conor. We've we've always said it here on the Everyday MMA Show. It could have gone either way. It was a very tight call to make. Who was going to win that one? Even though the bookies had Conor to win, Dustin, I think, probably due to the activity he had and just general improvement he has as a fighter over the last seven years, I think he's really improved. I think he's shown that against Conor, one of the best to have ever done it. And he goes on. I mean, Elliot, do you see uh, Dustin going for a title shot potentially very soon? Depends on Khabib, doesn't it? I think, well, Khabib's gone now. If we say Khabib's gone, I think they should just give him the title regardless and let him, like, I don't know, who's who's next? You've got Gaethje, Oliveira, potentially Chandler, but Chandler's had one fight in the UFC. I, I don't know where it goes next. Yeah, it is. It is a very interesting debate to have. If we're going off the idea that Khabib's gone, then by all means, I think Poirier should be given at least a title shot next. I think uh, you've got the likes of uh, uh, Oliveira, like you said, Gaethje, uh, Chandler. They all, you know, well, we'll go on to talk about Marco Chandler very soon, but um, definitely Charles Oliveira. I think him and Oliveira and Poirier are the two you want to make for that either vacant title or have Poirier have the title and have Oliveira as his first title defense. It's it's a very interesting um it's a very interesting discussion. And as if you're watching the BT Sport uh coverage of, of the whole lightweight division, you know Nick Pete has it ingrained that he wants to do a a kind of a tournament based system for the lightweight division, which Dana White actually did say he actually liked that idea. But, I mean, we're going to have to talk about Conor McGregor. I mean, it was very underwhelming. I think a lot of people were coming up with loads of different excuses as to why he lost the fight along the lines of, oh, his stance wasn't right. He ditched his coach or whatever. But I think at the end of the day, the better fighter won in the night. Uh, Elliot, what did you make of Conor's performance on Saturday? A boxing style, wasn't it? And I thought he was just out of his depth a little bit. I thought Poirier was just the better fighter, had a better game plan, I think. A huge credit towards um, 
Mike Brown for kind of like stopping the uh, so they're kind of breaking down his calves, his legs, so he can't generate any power and completely like nullify and his uh like power. His left hand was nowhere, nowhere really to be seen. I mean, he caught him every now and then, but it wasn't too much for Porio. He kind of weathered the storm and just really just dismantled him. To, uh, like kind of picked him apart. It was a great performance. Yeah, it was. It was weird to see Connor getting picked apart so easily. But I do, I do have to say, that Dustin Poirier looks absolutely massive at 155 pounds compared to Connor as well. Connor looked very lean and very skinny next to Dustin Poirier, and it makes me think maybe he's lost a bit of that power, a bit of the muscle. Obviously, going down from welterweight where he last fought a year ago, he looked, he looked very good. Like physically, he looked very good, and comparing him to now where he looks borderline, you know, skin and bone, it was, it was weird to see, but. Yeah, like you said, don't take any of the credit away from Dustin Poirier, his coach and team. The way he came into that fight, he looked he looked like he wasn't letting Connor get into his head like he did like seven years ago. You know, when they fought seven years ago, Connor was already he'd already Connor had already won the fight before they even entered the octagon. And this and this time I think it's uh it uh, it was good to see Poirier kind of put all that to one side and actually just focus on the fight. Which again could have been the reason why Connor lost. I guess maybe the antics weren't there. He wasn't getting into his opponent's head. He was humbled. A very humble Conor McGregor <clears throat> coming into this fight card. And, you know, at the end of the day, you know, it is what it is. Uh, I guess we're going to have to talk about what's next for Conor, really. I mean, where where do we even see Conor going in the next year? He says he wants to fight again this year, which is, you know, always a positive for the UFC and for MMA fans. But who do you even see him going up against next? Probably Diaz, maybe Diaz three. I don't think the rematch with Poirier should be should be next. I think Conor McGregor, he's got to have some like, kind of like tune up fights. I mean, he had Cerrone, but that was last year, and then they throwing him throwing him in against Poirier was just a bit just a bit too much. He's fighting like the, probably the best lightweight on the planet at the moment. Takeaway Khabib, maybe Nate Nate Diaz three, or maybe just another run at welterweight. I'm really interested in seeing that welterweight. I'm kind of really pushing that agenda but that kind of kind of seems to be me on my own at the moment yeah you do seem to be on your own on that one every time we talk about connor you mention welterweight and i have to kindly agree with you just to avoid awkwardness but um now i i it would be interesting to see connor at welterweight like i said earlier he did look physically like very good and strong in welterweight especially when he fought cerrone throwing those elbow the shoulder strike sorry uh, I don't. I just. I don't. Personally speaking, I wouldn't want to see him fight Nate Diaz. Not again. Not a lightweight, anyway. If they did fight, I'd want it to be at welterweight. I don't like. Uh, I don't. I don't think Diaz or or McGregor would actually um be interested in making that fight at, at lightweight. I don't think it affects the division too much. But then it means that Conor would leave the division, the lightweight division, if he went up to fight Nate Diaz at welterweight. So. You know, it's it's going to be a sit down conversation for the three of them, him, Nate, and uh, Dana White. It'll be interesting to see. Obviously, you've got the likes of, um, personally speaking, I'd love to see Connor Fer- uh, Connor Ferguson. That's a kid from my uh, <laughs> from my secondary school. Uh, I'd love to see Connor McGregor versus Tony Ferguson. That would be an amazing fight to watch. I think Tony, he's either on a decline or just been playing unlucky for the last two fights he's had against Connor, who desperately needs a win as well. I think. That would be a very, very good fight to make. And I think it would bring out the old Connor a lot more, especially because you've got someone like Tony Ferguson who's he talks a lot of shit as well, just as much as Connor, if anything more. And uh obviously that might bring it out of Connor. 
might make him a bit more focused and driven to actually win the fight and to put in a good performance. But you never know. I, I don't I don't make the fights in the UFC. So, you know, we can only sit and hope that they know what they're doing up in Las Vegas. But, yeah, I, I mean, overall, I mean, it was a shocking win. I mean, I was on social media, sat on Twitter watch whilst watching a fight, and the amount of people who were just saying, flout, Connor win, Connor win, Connor's got this in the bag. And it was just, don't get me wrong, I love the support Connor has. He's one of the most universally liked um, fighters in the UFC. He's one of the biggest fan bases in in sport in the sport, but um, yeah, I think he's got to find his feet and get back on track in uh, the lightweight division. And I think Tony Ferguson's a great place to start. But Elliot, that was not the only fight of the night, was it? No, no, it wasn't. Michael Chandler making his appearance, his UFC debut in. Saturday night's fight card up against the hangman Dan Hooker and I don't think you could ask for a better debut could you Elliot? I saw it all over Twitter saying is that the best UFC debut? I mean we had Addison Silver which was pretty good I can't really think of anyone really close first round knockout was it like the, one of the first strikes thrown as well and against Dan Hooker who's an established lightweight he's a real contender wow yeah that was really incredible yeah, Dan Hooker obviously coming off the back of his loss against Dustin Poirier. And I did say this. I did say, I remember specifically saying this, the damage that that Poirier and Hooker took respectively, I thought would play a massive role in their next fights. Obviously with Poirier, it didn't seem to affect him as much. But I think with, with Dan Hooker, you could that first kind of heavy strike that Chandler threw, that landed clean on the jaw of Hooker, just sent him out, Sparko, out cold. It was gone, and I think that was due because he he took a lot of damage in that fight against against Poirier. And he was he his face was you couldn't recognize him, and when you take that sort of damage, obviously it catches up with you, and it's all well and good taking a few body shots or if you're going to get wrestled down by Michael Chandler, that's fine. You're not getting hit in the jaw, but when you get a clean shot like that, especially with the power that Michael Chandler has, as you as some of you may have seen from Bellator. He was an explosive fighter with heavy hands and amazing wrestling. I think he was NCAA number one wrestler in the US. So he's got some great background and good pedigree about him. And he threw one kind of overhand right or like a right hook. And it just landed on the jaw and there was no coming back from that. And Hooker was just was just done out there. I, I, I don't know. What did you make of, uh, of kind of Hooker's appearance performance? it like the damage he took last fight it's going to catch up with you i mean look at ferguson against gaethje really took some damage and then he went into the next fight and he really wasn't himself against uh Oliveira. so if, yeah like you said it definitely catches up with you i think hooker should have done more should have been a bit more aggressive but in hindsight that's easy to say in hindsight so yeah it was just what it is chandra's just went in there and took the opportunity i thought he's done really well and i I'd like to see, hear your opinion on this. I I really like the promo afterwards, and I've heard some people say it's a little bit cheesy, but him calling out uh, could be uh, Poirier and McGregor. I thought that was really effective. Um, I thought the promo that uh, Michael Chandler did was one of the greatest promos I think I've ever seen in the UFC. In ge- just in general, just in general, I think you've got the likes of Nate Diaz and Tony Ferguson calling out Conor McGregor, but the way that Michael Chandler come in. He's already had his back against the wall, you know, being from Bellator. 
and all these UFC fighters lining up wanting to kind of show welcome into the big league. And Dan Hooker took that took that on and he got absolutely destroyed. And then for him to kind of, you know, come into the UFC the way he did, you know, being a free agent from Bellator, being the old lightweight champion in, in, in that promo promotion, um, he had a lot of expectations on him. I think Michael Chandler duly delivered on them. And then to call out three of the top fighters in that division, let alone in the promotion itself, I think it was a ballsy call. But I think it works. I think that's his stock risen up high, a lot more than he, it could have done by just saying, oh, thank you, everyone. I've had a great time. You know, a really simple kind of thank you message, you know, if you'd won the fight. And the way he did it, I think, was absolutely amazing. And I completely respect him for it. He shows what he could... He, I mean, that's not even what we know Michael Chandler for. We know him as a wrestler more than a striker. And he's come in and just sparks out that one of the kind of top contenders in that division like it was nothing. So, I mean, we've still got a lot more to see from Michael Chandler in the UFC. And you know what? I, I, I remember telling you this when we were watching it. I was like, he will be the lightweight champion by the end of the year. And you know what? I'm sticking by that. I'm on the Michael Chandler hype train. Michael Chandler will be the lightweight champion by the end of 2020. I think he's an absolutely unbelievable fighter. And it makes you think, if Michael Chandler is that good, yeah? Think about all these other fighters who aren't in the UFC now, who are champions of their respective divisions. How good are they compared to fighters in the UFC now? Do you know what I mean, Elliot? And especially, I see, I don't watch Bellator at all, but I'm hearing a lot about, is it Pitbull? Yeah, yes, Pitbull. Yeah, that's what I mean. I, I, so I really don't watch it at all, but I've seen a lot of hype around him. So yeah. I wonder how good he really is. I mean, we, we've got Alvarez in Bellator and things like that. So, yeah, like you said, we could have some serious talent in Bellator that people just don't really know. Yeah, I believe uh, the Pitbull is a two-weight. He's a two-time featherweight uh, world champion. And he's also the current uh, lightweight champion. So he's actually a two-division a two champion at the moment. He's a champ champ if you want to call it that. So, you know, if he's that good in that in those two divisions, just get him in the UFC. Put him up against your your Max Holloways or your Calvin Caters or your, you know, <clears throat> your Jose Aldo. Just get him in that division, whatever one he wants, and let's let him have a run. I think I think Michael Chandler's put himself in a great position, especially after his promo and his performance, to fight, you know, your Gaethje's, your Oliveira's, your, your Poirier's, your Conor McGregor's. I think he's put on a performance that's worthy of him calling them out. And I think he's he's, he's going to be an amazing, an amazing fighter to watch this year. Guys, that was two of the most, I, I mean, to, they were two of the most unexpected results, I think, I've, I've, exceed, I've seen in UFC for a long time. I mean, I personally had Dan Hooker to, to, to win, uh, to win against Michael Chandler. I thought, you know, if it was a fresh, Dan Hooker, like the one going into that Poirier fight, I think he he would have won that. Uh, Dan Hooker also, um, I think he looked a bit shell shook, shell shocked, whatever. He looked quite, um, I want to say, nervous going into that fight when he was in the octagon. And I think Michael Chandler disposed of him very quickly and efficiently. But you know, that's the UFC for you. You can't can't rest on your laurels, and you've got to expect the unexpected. I don't know, however, what's happening with Dan Hooker because, as some of you may know, he did uh, put his gloves down on the octagon mat after his fight. And obviously, because he didn't win the fight and it was a co-main event, no one really picked up on it except the commentary team. So 
I don't know, Elliot, if you know anything about more about Dan Hooker and his, and his potential retirement. It's all over the place. I think he'll be back. He'll be back fine, I think. Yeah, I agree too. Guys, that was two of the uh, fights from that fight card on Saturday, USC 257. Um, we're going to quickly talk about uh, one or two more other fights than that. But first, it's time for, of course, Dana White's quote of the week. And guys, I don't know about you, but some of the refereeing uh, on that fight card was a bit, uh, a bit shaky, to say the least. I mean, you had Herb Dean coming in with a stoppage, didn't really stop it, let the fight carry on for like another five seconds and then stop the fight. So in honour of poor referees and poor refereeing decisions, we've got Dana White absolutely shitposting the fuck out of Steve Mazzagatti. And does anybody here disagree with me that Mazzagatti is a fucking yeah. toolbox? Yeah. I mean, he literally did nothing. If you ever watch Mazzagatti ref a fight, he fucking stands there like this. He's doing his fucking grocery list. Thinking about what he did, he TiVo the fucking uh, his favorite show. I, I don't know what the fuck this guy's doing. Or sometimes he'll go like this and start looking like this when they're not even fucking doing anything. When they're doing shit, he's not in there when he's supposed to be in there. Yeah, Steve Mazzagatti absolutely getting destroyed there. We look ahead now to the 7th of February, 6th of February, depending on what part of the world you're in, to Alistair Overeem against Alexander Volkov, the demolition man. As said before, this is his final chance to go for the UFC gold. And to be honest with you, a small part of me does really want him to get it. He fights Alexander Volkov, the main event on the UFC Apex. And along with that, you've got actually some very good fights. You've got Corey Sanhagen and Frankie Edgar going at it. You've got um, Pentoha and uh, Manuel Carpe and Corey Stamen and Andre Ewell, along with others, including Benil Darish. But we're going to focus our attention to Overeem and Volkov and Elliot. What do you make of Overeem's kind of uh, ambition to go for that heavyweight title, even though he said he's going to retire straight after winning it, should he be lucky enough to do so? I mean, I would love him to win it. He's kind of the guy who kind of got me into the UFC before. I've started watching it quite religiously. I remember watching it when he fought Brock Lesnar, obviously being Uberim as opposed to Overeem, where he's uh, allegedly on the, the horse meat and all kinds of uh, all kinds of drugs. But he's he's kind of like brought me into the UFC a little bit. Like I kind of hold more weight to him more than anyone else. And I would love to see him win it, but John Jones is now in the UFC, uh, UFC heavyweight, should I say. It's good, I can't see him losing. I mean, arguably the greatest of all time. You've got Ngannou, who's the hardest hitter from what we've seen in a long time, and Stipe still still around. Can I see Overeem beating them three? Unfortunately not, but hey, anything could happen. Yeah, very true. Overeem coming off the back of two wins last year, fighting Walt Harris in an emotionally charged match there for Harris, and obviously beating Augusto Sakai in September. Um, I think with Overeem, you've got to look at, he's won everything else in that kind of, he's won pride, he's won in strike force, whatever he's been in, he's, you know, he's been the champion. And I think this is his, like, like he's getting now to the old age. He needs to kind of really push on now. And like you said, you've got the likes of John Jones entering the heavyweight division. Stipe still reigning over that division very, very dominantly. And heavy hitters such as Nganu. And he's already been proven otherwise with his loss to Rosenstrike in uh december losing in the final four seconds of that fight i think he hasn't got that sort of quality he needs to beat any of the top contenders but i think you can slowly see in him getting better and better and better as he kind of 
fighting and carrying on. Like when he first started fighting, he was very much a kickboxer. And now you can see him fighting. When he beat Walt Harris last year, for example, that was, you know, on the ground through punches. And uh, Sako obviously was a very dominant fight for him as well. But um, I, I can't, I can't see Overeem winning the UFC title. To be fair, which is which is really upsetting because, like you said, he was the one that got you into watching mixed martial arts kind of religiously, and he's one of those names that's kind of a household name in in mixed martial arts in general. Um, on the other hand, though, you've got the likes of Alexander Volkov, who will want to kind of reaffirm himself as a kind of a heavy top contender in the heavyweight division. He's only 32. So he's still got time left on his side as opposed to the 40-year-old um, Overeem. And I think, you know, with a 32-8 and eight record, coming off the back of uh, another win over Walt Harris, seems to be picking up a lot of L's recently. Um, he's been a bit of shaky form. He's gone two from four in his last four fights, losing to Curtis Blaze and Derek Lewis, but beating Greg Hardy and the uh, previously mentioned Walt Harris. But he's also beaten the likes of, you know, Fabrizio Verdum, Stefan Struve, Roy Nelson. So he's got names on his record that, you know, suggest he can go up against the best in, in the kind of the UFC heavyweight division. And it'll be interesting to see how he approaches Overeem, whether he'll want to kind of finish the fight, will he take it to the decision, how, how he'll win. Because, you know, the last the two out of his last three fights have gone by way of decision. But, you know, he has a lot of... He's got good knockout power, seeing he knocked out Verdum. You know, he's knocked out the likes of Attila Vey. He's also got submissions, you know. He's won by triangle chokes in the past. You know, rear naked chokes. So, he's a very well-rounded fighter. Um, Elliot, what would you make of Volkov's chances coming into this fight against Overeem? So, he was... He's coming into the fight as a favourite, which kind of surprises me granted these two losses were blades and Derek lewis who are obviously great fighters but he's coming off two the two wins of greg hardy which is let's be honest not a fantastic heavyweight at the moment for his cardio issues and walt harris who's going through what he's going through i mean it was a good win against him he hit him with a body kick uh it's gonna be a hard one i think if over takes him down there's no way volkov can get up because i'm i'm liking over new transition like you said before about he was a kickboxer now he's kind of changed it a little bit where his ground and pound now i think i think it's the best in the heavyweight division you could argue uh blades i suppose for their wrestling but in terms of just strikes on the ground i really like over and i think this is, that's the way he's going to win this fight it's going to take him down and just just ground and pound him yeah, I, I, I'd like to agree with you on that. I'd like to think Overeem's uh, ground and pound is probably the best in the heavyweight division. A lot of heavyweight fighters just like to stand and stand and bang, which, don't get me wrong, for the fans, it's uh, it's excitement turned to 11. But, you know, if you want to be practical about it, I think taking down these big guys, I think it's a very good kind of strategic change from from Overeem. And I, to be honest with you, like, like you just said, I'm just as surprised as you to see... Volkov going in as a favourite, but then I guess when age is on your side, and you kind of you know you're the more health fitter kind of younger athlete, you kind of probably you will go in there with probably the bookies on your side. Where where would you see either one of these fighters going after if so? Say for example, Overy beats Volkov or, or vice versa. Where who would you like to see them fight next? I think if Overy beats Volkov. I think we should see him versus Derek Lewis. I think they've got a bit of um, unfinished business as well through their kind of like back and forth online. 
And with Volkov, um, I'd be excited to see where he goes because I think he might try and take a rematch. Again, Derek Lewis, Derek Lewis and Curtis Blaze is his most, his most recent ones. Um, with Garnet coming up as well, fighting Junior DeSantos, he could be one to kind of look at. He likes standing, he likes, like you said, stand, stand and bang. It'd be exciting. I, I really don't know with Volkov. It'd be interesting. Yeah, um, it's it's very weird this heavyweight division at the moment because you, you have the kind of the top three like we've mentioned before: Stipe, Ngannou, and uh, John Jones yet to enter. It kind of leaves the rest of that division kind of waiting around, seeing what happens after that's all kind of cleared up to see who's next, who's going up next to fight who. And I would like to see uh, if, say, for example. Uh, Overeem was to win. I'd love to see Overeem give another go against uh, Jarzinho Rosenstrike, depending on the winner of his fight against Cyril Garnet, who they're going to fight in the near future in February. Um, I think, obviously, with against uh, Overeem and Rosenstrike, he lost that fight in the last four seconds with a devastating right hand, which split his lip wide open. But I think that that's the kind of fighter you want to be aiming for. Like you said, Derek Lewis as well. Very similar kind of fighters in terms of they like to keep the fight standing and they like to throw. Very big, heavy hitters. But that all depends on whether he can beat Garnet, who's 7-0 at the moment in that division. I, it, it, it's very interesting. It's not obviously the most high-profile fight card coming up. It's not one that's going to get all the kind of the casual fans kind of staying up at night to watch. But I think it's very interesting if you're if you're one of those fans who's interested in that heavyweight division, who's either a fan of Overeem. I think it, it is it makes for interesting watching, and it'd be interesting to see how either of these fighters come out after that fight. Obviously, Overeem will probably retire if he was to lose, which obviously obviously no one wants to see. But if he knows his body better than everyone, you know the guy's forty seven and eighteen. He's had over sixty fights in the UFC, so you know it will be interesting to see where where he goes. Uh, should he win? But, you know, we never know these days. Heavyweight division, one hit's all it takes. And I must, and with Overeem Chin, you know, not too great at the moment, I assume he'd want to take down Volkov, like you said, and just keep him on the ground and win by ground and pound. Whether he wins in the first minute or makes it go all the way through the 25, I'm not sure Alistair Overeem really cares as long as he gets the W at the end of the night. But, yeah, that kind of wraps up this uh, kind of mad week and a half we've had of uh fights obviously we started with Mark holloway and calvin cato and we've ended up all the way at the end with dustin poirier beating conor mcgregor in the main event and we look forward to seeing over in volkov i think the next few fight cards are absolutely insane elliot i mean we've got over in volkov this weekend but then we've got the likes of 258 we've got kamaru and and gilbert burns fighting with the likes of uh curtis blaze and Derek lewis and of course, we've got the triple header title fight on the 6th of March for UFC 259. I mean, we're just inundated with amazing fights. And I don't know about you, but I am absolutely, I'm over the moon. I'm excited as hell for these sort of fight cards. And it is, just before we leave, is there is there one standout fight in the, coming up in the next kind of month or so that you've got your eye on? I think Burns Usman is going to be the one to watch because I think this is going to be Usman's biggest challenge because... Before they fought in the same gym, Usman's moved, and Gilbert Burns kind of has everything he can. It does the way he fights is kind of Usman's weakness, 
he's great stand-up and he's got fantastic jiu-jitsu whereas Usman is just as a wrestler with a lot of like a lot of power in his hands so this could be the one where it kind of turns around we kind of see Usman really in the struggle there I mean a bit more than Colby maybe yeah I mean like I've said before I, I have Gilbert Burns to upset everyone and beat Kamara Usman on the 13th of February Valentine's Day for the UK fans watching that but I think There'll be no love lost, if you pardon the pun there. Uh, um, it's going to be an interesting, interesting fight. But that is for another conversation, Elliot, to have very near in the future. Thank you very much, guys, for listening to this week's. I know it's been a bit late out. We've uh, had a few a technical difficulties. Uh, and I've turned 24, so I've been uh, on a constant hangover. So apologies for that. But we move on. We'll be back next week with our review of over in Volkov. Looking forward to 250A and anything else in the MMA world. Thank you very much, guys, for listening. Make sure you follow us on Instagram at the Everyday MMA Podcast. Just for to say a massive thank you for you guys. We've hit over 300 followers on that. And in the space of just over a, a month and a half of doing this, it's, you know, I, it's, it's unbelievable. I can't thank you guys enough. Me and Elliot appreciate that very, very much. Uh, thank you guys for listening. We'll see you again next time.